Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Good afternoon, uh, morning, evening, whenever it is you may be tuning into this uh, next edition of the Tomahawk Nation Hoops Dedicated Podcast. I am your host, Matt Minnick, as always, joined by Michael Rogner. Uh, it's been a little while. It's I think it's our first podcast of 2021, Michael. Uh, has the year started better for you than, than 2020? I, well, it, it would be hard to be worse than, than 2020. So I, I think we're doing good. And coming off of, you know, the blowout win of NC State and then beating North Carolina, it's, yeah, I think things, especially in the basketball world, are going really well. I, I would agree. And college football season sort of mercifully ended. Um, I don't know. I, I had sort of checked out. I don't even know if I watched a, watched a complete bowl game. But um, my Green Bay Packers are moving on to the NFC Championship game. And to your point, Florida State basketball is playing a lot better in 2021 than uh, perhaps they ended 2020 playing. If, if you'll recall, I think the last game of 2020 was – was a hard fought, but sort of thorough loss to Clemson. I mean, I think Clemson kind of controlled that game throughout. Uh, but but Florida State had that long break, had had the COVID pause, uh, missed missed a game against Duke, missed a game against Pitt, who by the way is looking really good, uh, and and missed a game against Syracuse. I feel like we maybe would have gone two and one against those teams. Uh, but nonetheless, all three were missed. I, I don't know that any will be rescheduled and picked it back up earlier in the week against NC State with with rather a historic performance. Yeah, that game, you know, I don't even know what to say about that game. It, it was it was such an outlier that it was Florida State's the, the best 
you know, the best offensive performance that Florida State's had in 20 years or 21 years, however long advanced stats have been around. Right, right. And if you if, if you look at other games, at other, or sorry, other programs like Gonzaga and Duke and North Carolina that have historically good offenses, it also would have been, you know, in like the top two or three of, of all of their games. So it was, it was a, just a crazy one-off where we made everything and, and uh, it was certainly fun to watch. I wish there would have been another 20 minutes to play in that game. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't even know how much is worth breaking down from the game. Uh, I think we could, pro- you know, wh- why don't we do this? Maybe, maybe we talk about the NC State game and the UNC game uh, sort of combined to see if we can pull out some trends maybe as, as we went 2-0 over the Tobacco Road foes this week. But it was historic i mean it's not and it, it didn't come against an out-of-conference team where you know i, I don't know it's, it's hard to put that kind of performance into perspective i think when i knew that this was a different kind of night was in the first half nate jack kind of comes off a, a screen it curls around a screen catches and shoots from probably 26 feet out but and it all happens all in one motion and the ball just you know rips the nets and it was sort of like oh that was that's not as common as we've seen, particularly midway through the first half. I, I don't know. When, when did you start feeling like this is a different kind of night? Well, we, we started, I think NC State had the lead. It was like nine to eight or something like that. So the first five minutes of the game was just kind of back and forth. And then you look up and it's 24-13. You're like, what, what happened? Mm-hmm. And the rest, of the rest of the night, was just it just continued on. So I think it was that first early run you expect um, not to get ahead to the North Carolina game, but you, you kind of expect one team to make a run and then the other team to make a run. And, and Florida State made their run in the first half, and then NC State just never responded and just 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 got buried from that point. And I mean, it was was the so Scotty Barnes did play in the NC State game. I think that is one of the few differences between the two uh games but you know he did play in that game he played what 13 minutes i think um and and because he he rolled his ankle in the game um when he was playing he was effective had had a real nice offensive uh rebound slam had a couple of dr j-esque moves uh holding the ball up you know high above uh the 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 mere mortals down on the ground trying to knock it away but um did you notice anything different about the way the offense was moving with, with Raekwon Evans being more of the facilitator or, or was it just that, Hey, you know what, if, if we make 70% of our shots, including in 70% of our threes, then we'll, we'll just go ahead and, you know, hang up the final four banner right now. Yeah. Uh, we should probably hold off on that for at least one more game. Um, but Ra- Raekwon Evans you know that kid likes to go downhill. He he is, um, he reminds me, you know, a little bit of of, of uh, some of the, some of the older point guards that we've had in the past. You know, where they turn the corner and they go downhill, and that that has not really been Scotty Barnes' strength. He's shown he's shown signs of that, and so I think that having that element to the offense really kind of opens things up. And Raekwon Gray has the same ability, you know, to, to get downhill. He's developed that nice little floater this year. So, so he stops getting called for so many offensive fouls. And and it seems like with all good, really good uh, Leonard Hamilton teams, there's a game some somewhere in the middle of the season 
where everything just sort of clicks and the team sort of develops its identity, the the, the identity that the coaches have been trying to instill. And it, it, it's, you know, with COVID season and, and, and not that many games, maybe it's too early to say that NC State was that game. But it certainly seemed that way, especially the way we came out against North Carolina, where we were just much better getting downhill. And, and that if you're going to have a great shooting team and Florida State's the best three-point shooting team in the conference, you have to have guys that play downhill. You have to have guys who get their teammates open. And we haven't shown that ability through, you know, up until the NC State game, at least not consistently. So I think the one big takeaway on offense is that just doing a much better job of playing downhill and, and, and knowing the coaches. I know that they've been preaching that, you know, day in and day out in, in practice. And, and maybe um, I know we have some folks that are switching over from football season now. And when, when, you know, in football, you hear people talk about, you know, playing downhill, it's more like in the, in the running back sense where a guy, you know, you want, you, you want him to get behind his pads and uh, you know, keep the, keep the legs churning and, and really just fall forward and kind of play downhill. Maybe like think of a Derrick Henry type um, in basketball. What, what are you saying? Like, when you're saying Raquan Evans does a nice job of playing downhill within the offense, um, give an example of what you mean by that. Yeah. What you'll see is a lot of times he'll be coming off a screen, you know, kind of at the top of the key or something. And the, the, the key point is to get your shoulder past your defender. And so that you can really drive towards the basket and what that causes, you know, the defense, um, has to collapse around that player because otherwise it's just going to be an uncontested layup. And that opens up all sorts of possibilities for the offense. And and when you don't have that, you see a lot of just sort of aimless swinging the ball around the perimeter, you know, with, with no real advantage for the offensive team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we certainly saw a number of kickouts in both the NC State and UNC game. I mean, it's not – again <laughs> – it's nice when, when they mostly fall, you know, when you're kicking out to, to a guy standing four feet behind the three point line and he's, he's draining it. Um, pretty much everyone was. So that's nice. I, I do like what I've seen from Raekwon Evans. And, and you know, what's interesting to me is that I think this actually started before um, Scotty Barnes, you know, twisted his ankle, I, which gives me hope that it's not something that, it's not something that's a result of like, oh, well, you've removed someone from the offense and now all of a sudden it flows better. I think it was, we started to see this with Raekwon Evans. I feel like we talked about it uh, in the, after the Gardner Webb game, uh, even a little bit in the Clemson game, it, it, you know, and, and Hamilton has been very candid on a couple of occasions that the, the incident with Keontae uh, Johnson with it, with the, in the UF game really impacted Raekwon Evans more than some uh, he, he had a, a situation, you know, earlier in his life where he watched someone have a similar incident and, and pass away from it. So it, it impacted him and rightly so I, I feel like he's just, he looks in a better place uh, emotionally, physically, mentally into the game now. And we've seen that for four or five, six games. Does, does, do you see the same thing? Yeah. And the, the, the beginning of your point there about, it's not removing Scotty Barnes from the offense that made this thing happen. You know, Barnes and Evans and Gray, they, they, they all can play together on the floor at the same time. And Barnes is another person who can play downhill when he, when he really gets his mind right. Yeah. We saw that in the Georgia tech game uh, pretty well. 
Yeah, exactly. And we've seen flashes of it through most of the games. And, and now he's had a chance to sit there and ride, ride the bike and watch the, watch the whole team do it. But yeah, Raekwon Evans, you know, and I, I, I think we probably talked about this in the preseason. You know, if you, if you look at the bench players, who's really key coming off the bench and Raekwon Evans is probably that guy uh, because we have to have somebody who can be a backup point guard and, Early on in the season, he was he was struggling for for reasons that you've discussed, and now it seems like it, it, he's really settling into what his role on this team is going to be. <laughs> yeah, I remember I remember talking must have been right around the Indiana game, and and uh, we we had won games, but I mean, you and I I think were very concerned that wow the, the bench is not the bench is not giving us the kind of lift that it had previous in previous years, and you know we had some. I think I wrote an article right around New Year's uh, that tossed out some numbers in terms that like that we were, you know, in the bottom quartile of, uh, of actually bench minutes and bench performance. But, and, and I don't want to sit there and say that all of a sudden we have, uh, you know, 2019 level depth, uh, but, you know, Raekwon Evans, whether he's a starter or coming off the bench and, or, you know, Scotty came off the bench against NC state, um, you know, th- they've stepped up, uh, Malik Osborne, and maybe this will transition us into the UNC game, but he has started to look a little bit uh, more, more impactful, more effective. Uh, Nate Jack, even if it was only a one game thing, he stepped up and and really provided a lift or, or uh, (laughs) participated in that three point fest uh, against NC state. So it, it has been nice to see that the bench is showing signs of becoming more of a factor. Uh, Tenor and Gom is, is another, another person there. So um, yeah, maybe, maybe we'll switch into the UNC game then. And um, so that was a game played completely without Scotty Barnes and Florida state was a four point favorite before it was announced that he was going to be out. I think it might've slipped a, a half a point or point before, you know, right before the game, but you know, by all accounts, UNC played well, I've seen a couple of other games. That's one of the better games they've pr- played. It was certainly one of the better shooting perform, the best shooting performance they've had of the year, uh, largely by Caleb Love. If you remove his out of the ordinary performance, they've kind of performed as expected. Um, and Florida State still really controlled throughout the game. UNC had a little one or two point lead there at one point, but Florida State really had a, a, a six to 10 point working margin for much of the game. And, and, you know, did what a good team do should do, which is close it out at the free throw line. Yeah. And everybody, you know, going back to that NC state game where you're talking about the bench, you know, everybody came off the bench and played well And against North Carolina. It was really Malik Osborne that came off the bench and, and, and played well. Um, so that's, that is one, when you're talking trends, that's one trend that we saw. The thing that's really struck me about the North Carolina game is that we always talk about basketball being a game of runs, but it was crazy. I mean, just North Carolina started with one and then we made one and then they made one and then we made one for the the whole time until, you know, the, the 40 minutes was up and, and we we're actually the, I think they cut it to one point with about three minutes and I was like, well, but now it's our turn to make a run. And, and yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Game was over. Yeah. And, and you know what they didn't do? Uh, and, and talked a little bit about this with uh, Ari Masudi we had on, uh, I think, an episode ago or, or two. But what they didn't do, which is what Florida State has been able to do in the last few years with, with Trent Forrest at the helm, 
North Carolina never in the second half came back and took the lead. And some of that I think is because they have a freshman point guard of their own. They had a couple of opportunities to take the lead and didn't get it done. Some of that is a tribute to, in my mind, I thought Raekwon Gray uh, and, and Bolsha Koprovica and, and even MJ Walker, who doesn't normally get on the boards, they did a tremendous job on the defensive glass uh, of making sure that, hey, it seems like North Carolina is getting a little momentum here. We can't let them just eat up second uh, chance opportunities. And, and, it, and then again, it, you got a guy like Raekwon Gray uh, or MJ who, who would do, do the thing that Trent Forrest always did, which is say, hey, we've got to make a, a seven to one run be a seven to one run. And earlier in the season, we saw teams like UCF and Georgia Tech go on 15 to 16 point runs. I think Georgia Tech might've gone like an 18 nothing run or something like that, even though we won the game. For the first time this year, someone stepped up in the manner that Trent Forrest used to step up when it got to be a seven to one run, an eight to two run and said, give me the ball. I'm getting the free throw line. I'm getting to the bucket and, and the run stops now. And, and I think that allowed, to your point, Florida State to kind of make that a game of runs as opposed to a game that got away. And now we're talking about, well, UNC just went on that big run in the second half and we couldn't, we couldn't, you know, counter it. Yeah, the only real big run they had was at the end of the first half where they went on a 10-0 run, and then Florida State scored the final six points of the of the half, and and probably should have scored the final eight points, but but uh, I don't I don't know how well Sardar, Sardar Cahoon knew how much time was on the clock when he when he stole the inbounds pass right there at the end of the half. But yeah, that's exactly to your point. the 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 biggest run that they went on, we immediately responded with six quick points right at right at the right at the half to to take the lead. Yeah, they closed both halves really well. And you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of Florida State basketball with Trent Forrest at the helm was closing halves well. Uh, and, and if you can make your runs, just if, if you're going on a six to one run and the other team is a, is a 4-0 run and then you go on a, you know, a, a nine to two run and then the other team is a six to two run. Like over the, over the course of the game, you just see that working margin, you know, get a little bit bigger and and that's the name of the game in ACC basketball, uh, at least in games when you are not making 75% of your shots from the field. Yeah, and and the, the, the only other point I would add to the North Carolina game is something that you touched on kind of at the beginning of when we first started talking about this game is that they shot the ball well and they 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 turned it over 14 times, which is not a ton for them. And so... You know, when we're looking at at playing them again later in the year, they did two things really well, which they don't typically do well at all, and they and they still got beat by seven. Um, you know, not saying that Florida State's going to shoot fifty percent from from deep next time, but you know, we only took sixteen, so it wasn't that big a deal, um, or that we're going to make twenty six to twenty seven free throws. But but North Carolina played a game that was out of their comfort zone, and at least for now it was much better than they would be expected to play. And they, you know, and they still got beat by seven. Yeah. And you mentioned the free throws. Hey, fantastic. I mean, at one point, I think as a team, Florida state had made something like 26 in a row or something like that, or 20, 24 in a row. When you go back to the NC state game, Um, obviously that is doing some work. I was more impressed by the fact that we went to the line 26 or 27 times. I mean, Mm -hmm. even if we, okay, let's say uh, Raekwon only goes six of seven instead of seven for seven. And, you know, um, MJ maybe misses one earlier in the game. You know, if you're going to get, if you're going to go 23 of 27, I mean, that's really doing some work. 
And I feel like to me, that is a more repeatable skill. Just like you said, playing downhill and getting to the line. I don't know that we'll get there 27 times or 26 times in the Dean dome. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just cynical, but uh, I feel like that number becomes more like 16 or 18 in the Dean dome, but it's just a, I think it's an indicator of how the team is playing downhill. Uh, and, and I've really appreciated see, I mean, Raekwon Gray, if we can just talk about him for a minute, let me to Bolsa played a really nice game against some big time bigs and he held his own on the boards and, and really impacted. I thought uh, on both, uh, both sides, you saw where he could still add some strength, but there were some times there where, where Bolsa kind of took over for a few minutes but Raekwon Gray played a next level type of game. People have liked to compare him to Draymond Green in the past. Raekwon Gray looked like Draymond Green on the court um, against North Carolina. I mean, you're talking about 19 points on, I don't know, 10 shots, maybe five assists, four rebounds, three blocks or three steals and a block. That is NBA level basketball being played by Raekwon Gray. And, and that is, is a really nice sign to see. Yeah. I actually saw him listed in the, in the second round of a mock draft. So it's uh, some other folks besides just us are starting to pay attention. Um, and you were talking about free throws. Raekwon Gray went to the line more than any other Noel yesterday. He went line seven times and, you know, North Carolina kind of has the defense that will allow that to happen because they've got those three guys who are all six ten, six eleven. Um, plus Walker Kessler even played some and he's, you know, he's like seven one or something. And so it's big enough guys who are going to try to challenge him at the rim as opposed to just grab their nuts and step in front of them and, and take a charge. And so he was, he was able to get to the line seven times. He made all seven. And that, that's one part of his game where he has been really, really good this year, but getting to the line has not necessarily been his strength. And so to, so to see him go seven times and, and lead the team, that was, that was pretty impressive. And, um, you know, but if you look at the, the number of fouls he's drawing per 40 minutes, it's still, you know, still not that high. And so hopefully that this will, you know, give him a little more of a blueprint on, you know, exactly how, how he can be combining his driving ability, plus that little floater, you know, plus his, his, his ability to finish up the rim through contact you know, kind of, kind of wrap all those pieces together and, and become a guy who, who does get to the line a little bit more. The look, the little floater was nice. I mean, we've seen that in flashes, but that, that was nice. And I mean, it was almost, he almost kind of played a Scotty Barnes type of game. You know I mean? He just, he, he was switching on defense and bringing the ball up the court at times. Uh, I, I don't know. It was just really impressive basketball from, from the big man and you know there's not going to be a lot of teams who have someone who especially if to your point he, he does keep playing downhill and getting to the line more you, you know you, you have to either defend him with someone who's maybe six five six six but a little quicker um who could stay in front of him because he has a re remarkably quick first step for someone of his size but then he can kind of bully him into the lane and get and get finish at the rim through contact or, you know, do you try to body him with someone, you know, the size of, of uh, Daron Sharp, but, but he's just too quick for that and blows right by. And so I, I think teams are going to have to start to really question who, who are we going to be putting on him out there? Yeah, and if you, if you look at the stats right now, he's the fifth leading scorer at Florida, St at Florida State, but he leads the team in steals. He's second in rebounds. He's second in assists. He's second in blocks. 
You know, this is, this is a guy who's just, he is all over the court. He's, he's, he's filling up the stat sheet. He's the proverbial stat stuffer. And if, and if he, you know, can add, add a, just a little bit more to that offensive arsenal, then look out, this guy is going to be, he, you know, he could be looking ahead to March. This could be the guy that it's like his development is, you know, what is going to enable Florida state to make a run in March or, you know, we, we may very well be talking about that in, in a few months. Yeah, no, for sure. And, and, you know, if you think back to Terrence Mann's junior year, before Terrence became a legitimate three-point threat, uh, and I, I'm not saying that Raekwon isn't a legit. I mean, he he has to be at least somewhat guarded out on the three-point line, but I don't think anybody's coming in focusing on – I mean, I think they would people would rather have him taking a three-point shot than they would have him getting downhill into the paint or hitting that floater. But he, he's starting to remind me of the type of player of Terrence Mann from his junior year when you could see Terrence starting to put it all together. Obviously, Raekwon Gray's got, uh, you know, two and a half inches and and – I will be generous and say 40 pounds on him, but um, he, it's just starting to remind me of that kind of all around game uh, that, that makes for an outstanding second round draft pick. Yeah. Terrence Mann was a 25% three point shooter as a junior, which is right where, right where uh, Raekwon is his first career, you know, and then he blossomed up to almost 40% that senior year. So yeah, I, I like, I like that comparison. They're, uh, they're both, you know, they're both similar sized, although, uh, uh, Raekwon's a little rounder, but uh, otherwise, it's 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 a good comparison. Though Terrence Mann came to Florida State, you know, much more highly regarded, and Raekwon Gray has been a, a development project from the get go. And and to be fair, I mean, so he's put in the hard work. He is also is is he a redshirt junior, or am I uh, misremembering that? I'm remembering him as a, him as a redshirt junior. Yeah. So. So I think there is that, I mean, Terrence played from the freshman year. So to your point about Terrence coming in with a little bit more higher regarded, uh, we're comparing Terrence's third year to Raekwon's fourth year, but, but Hey, you know, that doesn't matter. Get to the league, get to the league, you know? So yep. um, the, 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 the work has clearly been put in and Raekwon is starting to see the results pay off. And, and I think the team is better for it. And, and, you know, you think about him making a similar jump from the three point if Raquan Gray comes back next year, makes a jump like Terrence Mann or Trent Forrest or others have before him from the three point line. Now you're talking about a bona fide, uh, you know, NBA, you know, first round potential pick. Yeah. I'm just refreshing myself by looking at his bio and he, he was a member of the green Vipers that first year that he was at, at Florida state. So yeah, yeah. It's come a long way. He he came came in if I recall needing to to drop a few M and M's uh, <laughs> or, or Bur- <laughs> Mickey Mickey D's burgers uh, to be able to really have the conditioning level to play at the ACC. Um, okay, so let, real quick, so we I feel like that's good. We did about twenty to twenty five minutes on the two games combined. Always great to beat a beat up on a couple of uh, teams from Tobacco Road. Uh, there was another uh, significant uh, piece of news that happened in this in this last few weeks here that we haven't pod potted or podcasted, uh, and that is the addition of a, a pretty big time uh, scoring guard, uh, Caleb Mills from Houston. Uh, if those didn't see, uh, Florida State had a, had an available scholarship 
Uh, he, he, they, Caleb Mills is somebody that they had been involved with out of high school. He had a strong first year at Houston, had started the second year. I, there were some challenges there, you know, whatever, uh, things weren't working out for him. And Caleb Mills was one of, uh, it was a pretty highly sought after player on the transfer market. And he is transferring to Florida State uh, with, with what we believe is the intention to get healthy, make it through this COVID year, and then uh, have three years to play beginning next year. Uh, t- tell me a little bit about Caleb Mills. Yeah, we're, we're about to see in Louisville's Carlick Jones the, the best you know, transfer on the, on, on the market. And when we're, when we're talking this time next year, people might be talking about Caleb Mills being one of the best, you know, not that he's going to put up the, the numbers in Florida state system, but this is, this is a kid. If you watched Houston play last year, it was, it was almost like watching the, the, the John Morant teams from Murray state where mm-hmm. he, he just always had the ball in his hand. He took like 36% of the shots or something when he was on the floor. I mean, and, and that was as a freshman, and he he had a really good season. He was the preseason um, conference player of the year this year, um, and then he got hurt uh, and was was only able to play a handful of games for Houston. But I th- I think that if if Ham can get him to buy into the system, this is a player who has the potential to be really good at Florida State. And the the element that he brings is. You know, we're, we're always asking, well, who's going to take the shot, you know, the, the final shot of the half or the final shot of the game or. Or there's or, 10 seconds left on the shot clock. Who's going to break down the D? Yeah. And against Virginia, we can't get anything going. We, you know, we got to, where's Dwayne Bacon going one-on-one? And this is that guy. This is, this is the ultimate sort of one-on-one scoring player that Florida State would, I would love to have him on the team right now. Um because you know Florida State just doesn't really recruit that type of player, or at least they don't they don't land them successfully. And so to have, so to add him to this this incoming freshman class, which is all world, is is a really exciting pickup for for Florida State and for for casual fans who are out there and they're like, well, he's from Houston. How you know how good can Houston or you know how how good can he be? Houston's a top ten team in the country right now, so we're getting the best player off a top ten team. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it. I am. I really, really like it. And, and you know, at first I, I, there was some thought of, oh my gosh, is this guy getting it with, with this, every kind of transfer waiver thing in this year, you know, is this guy going to be able, eligible right now? Cause you're right. Um, I mean, I would love a guy like this on this year's team, but I, I do think that there are, you know, we've seen guys have to come in and learn our defensive systems a bit. And uh, there, he is better right now, I think, on the offensive side of the ball than he is defensively. And so um, I, I actually love the in a move that in a year when so much is uncertain and, and you know, you don't even know if you're going to play the next game. I actually love the move to let him get healthy, let him. Hey, no pressure. Learn the systems. Watch become part of our culture, become part of the selfless, um, you know, 13 or 18 strong culture and, um, and, and get ready to really, I think be the perfect compliment for a guy um, like Jalen Worley next year, you know, who, who is more of the, more of the Jalen Brunson uh, type of kind of pure point guard, not pure point guard, but just that, that, manage the game see the game uh make the right play and, and then you've got like you said caleb mills that it's just you know get out of the way e- either kick out threes or get out of the way and let them let them take someone off the bounce yeah it's possible next year that our starting lineup could be four seniors and a junior you know so this is this is a great opportunity to be bringing in 
very highly rated freshman as well as as well as a you know t- top recruit like Caleb Mills. Yeah, so we'll have to um, we'll have to do more. I mean, he, again, he's not going to be participating in, in this uh, season right here. So, but we'll have to do more. You know, as we get towards the end of the year and over the summer, really, um, maybe see if we can get some film, get Kevin on, Kevin Little, maybe break down some of his game. But if, if you haven't, I mean, you can go online and find, you know, type in Caleb Mills highlight tape from Houston. I mean, he he put up a pretty good reel his his freshman year, uh, and so certainly caught the attention of a number of, of programs and, and NBA scouts alike. Um, all right. Why don't we take a break? Uh, when we come back, we will do, uh, we'll have a segment of one on one and one, which is uh, we, we, you know, we debuted that last time where I ask you a one and one question, uh, kind of a this or that. And, and then we will preview the big matchup with the old Metro conference rival, uh, the Louisville Cardinals. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay. And we are back, paid some bills, uh, and and we'll, we are ready to ready to talk a little, a little more basketball and, and get into the Louisville game in a bit. But first, let's uh, let's do another segment of one and one. Uh, so, Michael, you know, if you remember last time, I'm going to ask you uh, just kind of a series of questions, and uh, you have to provide answers respectively based on on those questions we we have to talk that's basically how it works we we have to have a conversation <laughs> it's a good thing we both have microphones let's all let's, right let's do all this right. so uh tell me tell me one thing from these past two games that you hope to, to continue seeing and one thing that you would like to see uh stop well, I'll, so we can't miss from three-point line. That's kind of a that's kind of an easy one. We're shot fifty-nine percent from deep in the last two games. So I'd like to continue to see that going. And what I would like to see stop is the silly turnovers. Just too many, uh, especially facing a team like Louisville. All right. Uh, speaking of of maybe Louisville, and this is a little preview of the preview. But uh, tell me one player uh, on Louisville that concerns you and one player for Florida state that you think can exploit a matchup against Louisville? Uh, Carly Jones, for sure. Against uh, as, as, as the player that concerns me, he's, he's six one. He is uh, probably the most confident guy we're going to play this year. He's a, he's a transfer and uh, he, he, he can score on anybody. He scores in bunches. Uh, don't focus on the fact that he's from Radford. The dude can play. Um, the flip side of that is we have all sorts of guards who can take advantage of Carly Jones. Um, they, their system, you know, they, they run a, they run a defensive system similar to Virginia makes it kind of hard to export guys one-on-one, but we've played, uh, so many, we've played Virginia and Louisville so many times over the past few years that Ham will figure out a way. All right. Uh, what about, one result from the last week, this can be ACC or not, but one result that really shocked you uh, and one result that maybe shocked other people, or, you know, you think other people were thinking it was an upset, but did not surprise you at all. 
Uh, the shocker would be Louisville lose. I didn't. I didn't even really consider that they might lose lose to Miami, um, and they went to Miami last night and lost. So when we face them, um, you know, we're actually going to be uh, facing a facing a team that's that's coming off a off a loss. And then the the one that shouldn't surprise people is Michigan, which was what were they like fifth or sixth in the sixth in the country? Right. Um, they they had not lost a game this year and just got totally waxed by Minnesota. It's not that Michigan isn't a good team; it's just that Minnesota is probably uh, the best, um, you know, lower ranked or unranked team in the country. I I will. That is true. Minnesota, I, I've caught them probably maybe two and a half games and. I, they are impressive. I, I'm not sure exactly where that came from. Uh, I don't know that I had them as a top 15 or so team on my radar coming in, but they have a lot of pieces. So uh, remember Minnesota, folks, when you're filling out your March brackets. Uh, okay, so tell me, uh, tell me one player from the ACC uh, that if you could add to Florida State, you would. And uh, one player from outside the ACC that you would like to add to Florida State, if you could. I don't know if I can take Justin Champagne because because of because of the injury, but that, that's that's who I'm taking. The guy is can just do everything for Pittsburgh, um, and if and if we had, uh, you know, he he fits right in at Florida State, six six, two hundred pounds. Um, you know, can just do it all. He, he, he is back now. So I guess he only missed a couple games. He so dominated Syracuse yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. He scored what 24 points and 16 rebounds or something. That's a nice stat line to have. And, and the guy I would like to have is Luca Garza. I mean, he's he not, not just because he's going to win the national player of the year, but I would love to see ham and Stan Jones get a guy who's like a legitimate national player of the year player in the post and see what see what they can do with that player's development all right uh we'll, we'll do one more here but uh that was i yeah justin champagne is he's he is i honestly maybe the best player in the acc um so yeah he's he's legit uh tell me tell me one uh one game that you are looking forward to see this week besides uh besides the florida state louisville game and uh, one game that maybe people are going to, I don't know, hype up or whatnot. And I guess it doesn't have to be this coming week, but in the, in the near week or two that you think will not live, you know, be a dud. Yeah. The game that I would, excuse me, the game, the game that I would, uh, I forget how you worded the question, but I, I, I want to see Tennessee, Florida, uh, Florida is kind of been back and forth since we played them. We really need them to be um, a great win for us. And the chance to knock off Tennessee at Florida would, would, would be great. Um, the, the matchup that I, I think is probably not going to be that great is uh, Kansas-Baylor. Um, you know, hopefully I'm wrong because this has a chance to be a super high-level game. But Baylor also has the ability to, to beat Kansas by like 25. So we shall see. Yeah. Yeah, that I, I think you're right about that. Uh, I, I, it, I guess, you know, you never know what three-point lottery is going to do, but I think I think Baylor is a much better team than Kansas here. I, I will throw out, too, I don't, I don't exactly know when they play, but I'm not feeling UNC Duke this year. I mean, I feel like it's, you know, you always want to watch it, but I don't know. Duke hasn't impressed me much, and 
if North Carolina doesn't make 10 threes like, like they did against us, I mean, that has the potential to be a real, even if it's close to be a real, um, I don't know, not, not an aesthetically pleasing game to watch. Yeah. And Duke just doesn't have Duke normally has guys that are just fun to watch. And this year's team is just me. They're kind of not really all there. I I feel like we would have put a, put a hurt on them. Uh, had yep. they come down oh, I, I know that maybe we've we're playing a bit differently now than we were back in late December but they also weren't they weren't playing at that point I think they had not played for three three or four weeks at that point I think I think they would have um, suffered a, a, a pretty pretty big loss to us and and that is always nice uh, to give to coach K and the Dukies but maybe maybe we'll catch them in the ACC tournament um, all right so Moving on to the to the big Monday matchup, uh, it's on ESPN uh, second straight game on ESPN one, I guess if you will, uh, for Florida State. Uh, so that's always nice to showcase showcase the team. It is at at the Yum Center, seven p.m. And as as you know, we had a couple of outstanding games against Louisville last year. I, I think actually the you mentioned earlier that every year it seems like there's a there's a game kind of midway through the year where the thing you know everything starts to click for Florida State. Uh, for me, last year that was the first game against Louisville, the road game, where I feel like at that point we were still kind of trying to figure out who we are. Uh, MJ Walker was not even expected to play in that game; he had been hurt. He comes out and uh, we kind of blitz them from the first half and, and really take it to took it to a good Louisville team on the road uh, for the first of our two victories against the Cardinals last year. Um, what what ha- what are the Cardinals looking like this year? I, I know you mentioned this, uh, the shocking loss to Miami. Uh, besides that, what are they looking like? Uh, they they only have one other loss, and that was they got totally stomped by Wisconsin, which is which is nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, they they haven't played a ton of good teams. They you know played Kentucky, who's obviously down. They played Seton Hall, who's decent. Um, they've they've played they they haven't played like Virginia or anybody yet in the in the ACC. So this will be the toughest test that they've had this year. Um, and like I said, I was surprised you know, coming off that seeing them get beat by Miami. So I would I would expect them to come out. Um, a little, probably a little more focused than they than they were on the road. Both teams are facing quick turnarounds, um, and the game also is is right before that that Kansas uh, Baylor t- game that I just talked about. So they're gonna be they're gonna be uh, ramping that up the whole time during our game. Yes, uh, you will you will undoubtedly hear that game mentioned uh, quite a few times. Um, what I I. I agree with you that they really just haven't played a whole, I mean, they're, they're, they're nine and two, but when you start to look for the heft, um, you know, Kentucky just isn't that good this year. I believe they played Pittsburgh and beat them without champagne. Although um, I, I guess why guess on that, if I can verify uh, yeah, he, he did not play in that game. So, so they beat uh, Pitt without arguably the best player in the conference um, and they got Virginia Tech at home, nipped them by two, and, and VT on the road is is a lot different than VT in Castle Coliseum. So I, I I don't know what to make of Louisville. I know they always have athletes. Uh, you know that that is you know kind of like Florida State, something that they always have a plethora of. David Johnson is a, is a big. I mean, he would fit in with big guard you, right? He is a big, strong, physical guard. We saw him last year. 
Um, and, and they do, they do things well, when you look at the numbers, right. They, they, um, they get to the free throw line or excuse me, they make free throws themselves, uh, and, and kind of don't have, don't send the other teams, uh, to the free throw line too much. They, you know, they're okay. Three point shooting. They've been pretty good. I don't know. I haven't seen them in the, I haven't like watched a lot of actual film, but they've been pretty good at at keeping other teams from going off from the three-point line. Uh, they're pretty good, like solid at, at, you know, defensive field goal percentage. Uh, but I don't know that there's something that, that, that you can say, like, is their calling card, that, they, that this is an excellent, you know, UNC, they were the number one offensive rebounding team in the country. Clemson, uh, before last yesterday's game against UVA, was the number one defensive team in the country. I, I just don't know what Louisville is elite at. Yeah, you know they're they're kind of one of these teams that's that's not elite at anything. If you if you look at their defense, they you know they run a pack line defense very similar to to Virginia's, um, and so the 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 possessions tend to be down in Louisville games. Although their offense runs pretty pretty fast to make up for it, you know. But this will be probably a you know 65, 67 possession game, something like that, um, and so. You know, the, the real key to beating Louisville is to not let them set up their defense, well, you know, which which means that Florida State needs to be forcing turnovers. They need to be they need to be running on 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 long rebounds. They need to be running even maybe, maybe off made baskets, you know, looking looking for some quick hitters, um, you know, because their their defense is, is solid, you know, but like you said, it's it's, it's not elite, but it, it it becomes really good as the shot clock goes on. So you, you, you don't want to be, you know, running 25 second possessions against them or, or you're really not going to be scoring. And then offensively, it's, you know, they got two guys. They got Carly Jones and David Johnson. And, and those guys are going to want to have big games. And our guys are obviously going to want to stop them. And whether or not we're talking about a win or a loss, um, I, th- I think is going to come down to how well can we contain Carly Jones? And does David Johnson have one of his, you know, one of one of those games that he's capable of, or are we able to, you know, hold him, uh, you know, relatively in check? He he has uh, uh, he has, and I'm talking about David Johnson here. He has he hasn't been playing great lately. He only scored five points in Miami. He only scored five points against Wake Forest. But if you look back before that, you know, he he was playing really good basketball. So hopefully we can extend his little misery streak here and uh, come away with the win. Yeah, I, ho- I hope so. Although I'll be honest and just generally speaking, and I would think this of a Florida State player too, but when a guy's been struggling a little bit, uh, particularly they played at Wake, at Miami, um, I, to me, coming home against a, a big-time opponent on national television is typically the kind of game where I, I see guys bust out of slumps. Uh, I mean, David Johnson is an NBA prospect for a reason. He, was, uh, he showed flashes of being you know, first team all ACC type of guy last year. And so I don't know that I'm counting on that slump to continue. It it just feels like the type of game where guys sort of bust out of a slump and they've got that energy going, the juice, and they're at home and, and they just, you know, they put it together. I I am with you in that. I think, I think Carlick Jones is, is going to be the determining factor of, of Florida state, you know, coming out of the Yum center once again with a win or not. Uh, he, he is, it's, it's interesting because he is, you know, he's the transfer, as you said, came from Radford. He's only six one. Uh, now he's, you know, thick, he's not, he's not a scrawny guy, but he's only six one. 
And those kinds of guards have, it can go both ways. We've seen Florida state in the past be able to really bother those smaller guards with our length and, and just throwing waves of bodies at, at a guy of that size and putting MJ on him for a bit and, and polite on him for a bit and just really just switching everything and, and, and bottling up his passing lanes. We've also seen it to where we just don't have someone quick enough to stay in front of a smaller guard like that. We, we've seen that against UF in the past when they had Casey Hill. And we, we've seen that uh, a couple of times in the past few years against a UVA uh, or a Notre Dame. And we just haven't had someone to be able to stay in front. And so uh, it's, it's going to be I'm really interested to see, are we able to bother him with our length? I don't even know. We have a six, one guy that's going to be playing against Carly Jones. Um, or, or is he going to be able to get into the lane, break down the D with dribble penetration, you know, and, and really get to the free throw line or, or find people for lobs and kickouts. Yeah. Our, our walk-ons are bigger than, than six one. So uh, <laughs> we don't really have anybody. Uh, you know, one, one thing that we saw against North Carolina is that Ham snuck in that couple of possessions of zone there in the second half. And I'll be interesting if that was a, a, a preview of maybe we'll see, you know, 20 possessions or something against Louisville. It's, it's, it's one way to try to try to um, uh, stop someone like Carly Jones. And then, you know, the other thing that we've seen uh, uh, typically in the past is that when we play a team like, like Gardner-Webb or North Florida, where their entire team is small and, and has the ability to blow by us, we run into a ton of troubles. But when we play a team like Miami that only has one guy who can do that, then we, we can do a little better job containing them. So I, th- I think the fact that Louisville, aside from Carly Jones, is a pretty big team, um, work works in our favor. It allows uh, the coaches um, a, a little more flexibility in how they're going to how they're going to scheme this game, and and I'll be I'll be fascinated to watch how we defend them. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, the guy down at Miami likes he, he's also extremely inefficient. He, I, you know, gosh, how many. I would be furious if I was coaching him and see all the, all the, like get into the paint, step back long twos that the, that the dude takes. So um, I think Carly Jones is just a flat out better player than likes, but I, to your point, we've been able to handle teams that just have one guy that we can kind of focus on and, and keep the attention as opposed to, like you said, some of these, you know, mid and small majors that, you know, you know, bullshit can't even play in the game because he, you know, the guys come up to his, his waist. Um, it, the other thing that's interesting to me about Jones is that it, his minutes, man. And, and I know he's kind of used to this from doing it. Uh, it was his Radford in the big South, I think, uh, but he, yeah. he's sort of used to that and had had play a lot of minutes there, but playing a lot of minutes in the big South is not playing a lot of minutes in, in the ACC and, and playing minutes against teams like Florida state that are, are going to, again, throw waves of bodies at you. We will, my guess is you will see 10 Florida state players play in the game uh, before let's say the under 12. Um, so I, I, when you look at his minutes, we're talking about a guy, which, which by the way, he didn't play in the Wisconsin game. You, you mentioned that that's the only other loss besides Miami, which to me felt like a clear look ahead game. They they've got their rival, the, the team that sort of embarrassed them last year, coming up at home on big Monday, I think was a clear look ahead game and they just got caught with their pants down. But the only other loss Wisconsin, well, Carly Jones didn't play. Uh, But since then, 
you know, he did 37 minutes against Pittsburgh, 38 minutes against Kentucky, 38 minutes against Boston College, 38 minutes against Virginia Tech, 37 minutes uh, against Wake Forest. Uh, by the way, he's taking, you know, 10 plus uh, shots in all these games. And, and then 40, the full 40 against Miami uh, two day, or yesterday. So this dude is logging minutes. And, and I'm wondering, too, if, if Florida State can withstand the early push that's going to come from a home team playing on Big Monday, can they maybe start to wear down Carly Jones? Yeah, that 40-minute figure is staggering. I mean, how, uh, what coaches do that these days? You know, keep a, keep a player in for 40 minutes. He played um, forty against Seton Hall too. Yeah, 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 and and they they lost to Miami. He played, he played forty, um, but again, that's kind of the position that that Coach Mack is in. He's got he's, he's got uh, Johnson, and he's got he's got Carly Jones, and and it's not to say that Louisville isn't talented. I mean, they've got seven uh, blue chip recruits on the roster, including a, a five five star and uh, uh, Williamson. Um, so they're, they, you know, they've got plenty of talent, uh, Samuel Williamson, um, they've got plenty of talent, but it's just, it's, it's not, it's not the kind of polished talent that you need to win games. Um, and so at this point, it, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Carly Jones and David Johnson both play more than, you know, like 37, 38 minutes. And that's just kind of the, the, the road that Louisville has to hoe at this point. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I, I would be actually probably more surprised if Jones plays, let's call it less than 37 uh, than I will if he plays, you know, 38 or 39. Uh, absent, of course, if he picks up, you know, three three fouls in the first five minutes, which, hey, then I, I feel a lot better <laughs> about our chances of winning. So um, we'll, we'll kind of get to the predictions here then. So uh, we know Florida State is playing well. They're shooting well. They're shooting well at the tuck. I want to remind, we've played one road game this year and we lost to Clemson in that one road game. Uh, Hamilton, had, Leonard Hamilton teams have historically really kind of picked apart uh, the pack line. Uh, Florida State has had uh, ample success against Chris Mack. Uh, I mean, Leonard Hamilton has just really owned him since, since the game against Xavier in the NCAA tournament a few years ago. And honestly, when you go back and look, I mean, not a lot of teams have beaten Virginia in the last few years, but Florida state has beaten Virginia more frequently uh, when, since they've turned into an elite program than, uh, than a lot than most other teams have, including being the last team to beat their national title winning team. So um, no, no stranger to success against the pack line, uh, but on the road, quick turnaround, we don't even know if Scotty's going to play. Uh, you know, MJ's kind of nicked up. What What are your thoughts on this game, Michael? Give me a prediction. Well, I, I think I think if Scotty Barnes is playing. You know, I'm I'm pretty bullish on this team, and and I and I, I I can't recall the last time that we played Chris Mack and didn't score more than a point per possession. So offensively, especially the way that we're playing right now, I would expect that we're going to be just fine. And if we have Scotty Barnes, then we're going to be better than fine. So. Um, I'm going to take a win regardless. I'll, I'll take a, say a three point win, like 77, 74, uh, with, without Scotty Barnes and like six point win with them. All right. I like it. I like it. I, uh, you know, yesterday walking out of the tuck, I, I, I was kind of thinking a loss. I kind of thought to myself, well, that's okay. Good. We got to seven and two. That was big. You know, maybe take a loss at Louisville bounce back with a couple wins, take a loss up at castle Coliseum in a, in a few, in a week or two. And, 
and then uh, see where we are right at that point, maybe be 11 and four or something. But I don't know. I, I, looking at them against Miami, seeing the fact that Carly Jones did play the full 40 and, and he's got to be playing on, on this short rest. Um, and their game was even later than ours. And honestly, I think guys like MJ Walker, Anthony Polite, Raekwon Gray, they tasted the success against Louisville last year. Uh, Raekwon Evans had a big game against Louisville at home. So I, I think they're, they're comfortable with the guys they're going up against with maybe the exception of Jones. And, and I trust Hamilton enough to put together something to just slow him down. So uh, I, I think Scotty maybe plays actually, I, I kind of feel like maybe they wanted to see if they could get a home win against UNC without him, give him an extra 36 hours of rest. And I will, I will say that we um, let's see, I, I like your 65 possessions. So I'll say that it's a 75 to 69 FSU win. Um, so, all right. A couple of wins on the board. That'll be fun. We'll come back and uh, I don't know if we can do instant or not since it's a 7 PM game, but we'll definitely come back and, and talk about the UL game regardless win or lose. And, uh, and we've got Clemson coming up after that, the big rematch with Clemson uh, next Saturday. So a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. Uh, it was good. It was good to talk to you uh, again. Happy 2021, Michael. Yeah. Always fun talking to you and let's do it a little sooner next time. Absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll talk soon.